Mike on. Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? This is Agassicles Stamos from GearWorks.com and the E2KG Network podcasting channel on YouTube here with another episode of What's Your Issue? The People's Weekly Comic Book Review Podcast. As always, I am one of your co-hosts and I have here with me Mr. Stephen Laura. How you doing, Stephen? I'm doing, I'm doing good. So as always, we are here to regale you with tales of the comic books that came out last week, shipping the 31st of October. Uh, it was a fifth shipping week, and it really felt like it uh, in some ways, and it didn't feel like it in others. As always, we will run down around about six issues in particular in our review segment and go through them in pretty excruciating detail. Then we will talk to you about the best thing that each of us read last week, Tabitra, and then we will round that out with rather our coverage of last week's comics by going through our honorable mentions and then finally brief you up on what we're going to be pulling in two days this week so that you know what's coming next podcast if you didn't know now you know this is a review show it will be full of spoilers we're not going to shy away from a lot of things uh in some cases even when uh we're talking about a, a comic book and a, and a review in uh in detail we may still not necessarily go into the details of a big reveal that resets the status quo, but we may. So it's up to us. So you should do what you ought to do and do you and go read the comic books before you sit down and listen to this here podcast. Steven is going to start us off tonight. He has the top of the batting order with Nightwing Magilla Gorilla Special Number 1. Yes, I, I'm picking that one. <laughs> I've been liking the the Hanover uh, and Looney Tune tie-ins with DC, so I've been picking them all up. Yeah, I've been really enjoying some of them. And some of them are some are hit hits and some are misses. I've been picking generally they're mostly good. Um, so this one is is written by J M Dematteis and. And uh, yeah, yeah, and the the is and the other writers Heath Corson. There's two writers, and then there's um the the two artists. Oh, there's three artists. Oh God, is Tom <laughs> Darnick, Tom Mandrake, and Tom Gromet. They all have the name Tom. That's <laughs> that's funny. That's that's pretty much for the artist. Um, so yeah, this this issue I really did enjoy. It did give a deep um, backstory with Magilla Gorilla, and he. Meanwhile, the the the, the, sto- the issue starts with Nightwing. We he's Dick Grayson, and he's visit. He wants to go visit Magilla Gorilla because apparently he's a uh, famous actor in the DC universe and night um Dick Grayson's his biggest fan and he wants to go have a visit with him and Magilla Gorilla wants wanted to um he wanted to uh speak with Dick Grayson about making the Grayson's movie and him starting in it. So he just wants to ask permission for him before he does the go to but um Magilla's um, um, foster father was was against the idea of, of making the movie, and they had a disagreement. And they, I don't know, Dick Grayson decided to exit himself out while they were arguing because he felt too awkward in the in the of them arguing in the house. <laughs> so he exits and uh. The next day, he finds a news report about um, Magilla's um, his foster father had got killed, and people are accusing Magilla Gorilla of killing his foster father. And he, Magilla um, Magilla Gorilla, um, speaks with Nightwing to uh, to um, to. Um, not, I'll uncover it, 
he's gonna undercover investigation of um to to prove that he did not kill his foster father. That's what the book is is about. And he finds a way to pr- um, prove that he's not the killer. And he finds out is one of Magilla's um, longtime friends. It was, I think, Daryl is one of the characters. I, I'm not really familiar, too familiar with Magilla Gorilla. Is, I really haven't seen that. I never saw that cartoon, but... I mean, who who, who really is? I, yeah. uh, so these are, I mean, <laughs> these Hanna Barbera cartoons are all things uh, deeply rooted in my childhood. The 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 mashup that started, I don't know. I mean, these things started back. Did they start with Rebirth? Were they kind of at the tail end of New Fifty Two? Yeah, it was it was on during Rebirth. Yeah, okay. I remember the first one was like Space Ghost with Green Lantern. Yeah, and there were. And, and I there... think Booster Gold was with Flintstones. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, really? Oh, I, I missed that. And there was a Snagglepuss. I think the best one has been the Snagglepuss one, maybe. Uh, I personally read the Death Race one or whatever. Oh, and, I, uh, I, I didn't like that one. That one was a little. Uh, that one was interesting. I actually, I actually thought that, that one was much better. Of course, um, I, I don't know if we've talked about it on this show, but I've read a couple of the issues of the Scooby Doo Apocalypse one, which I, th- which I thought yeah, has been I really love it. good. Yeah, it's so really it it's just not kind of what you would expect, and you it surprises you when you like it, right? Because you yeah, is that, it has surprising me. Is, yeah. is is that kind of the feeling you you walked away from this one with? Uh, that it, you, yeah, again. I really did like the the deep story with Magilla's gorilla's um past and how it means so much to him and how he could relate to Dick Grayson uh, Dick Grayson's past because Dick Grayson does talk about his he does talk about Bruce Wayne as being his father and he also talks about his other his, his actual father so he talks about his two father figures and um, Miguel Gorilla talks about his um, father's past and they were both adopted so they they can relate to how it is to be adopted and losing their parents. Okay. I gotcha. And it's, and it's also just kind of weird that, you know, this one drops in a week where we're just, we seem to be torturing <laughs> Dick Grayson and, and Nightwing. Um, and then of course this, uh, oh, and obviously this is not in continuity, but it's just yeah, it's not. kind of <laughs> strange to me, uh, that it comes out. I think we'll have, uh, the Riddler, uh, watch over my shoulder here during the show uh so uh okay great great cool uh what was your review score for this one then i would give it a an uh i think a 9.0 out of 10 okay i actually liked it a lot all right very cool uh uh second so the second book in our reviews rundown segment tonight is uh justice league aquaman drowned justice league aquaman drowned earth number one um this uh, this is going to be an interesting tale to tell because there were actually two kind of Justice League specials that came out this week that st- uh, that did a mishmash of starting in the uh, title characters book and then um, uh, moving over to the Justice League and then gets continued in the special and then we'll wrap up across another two issues of the title characters book and the Justice League, I guess. Uh, well, actually, the Witching Hour that was the finale, so it's yeah. It, there's there's some kind of weirdness which we're going to talk through a little bit. In particular, that both of these books appear to be uh, titled the same, but uh, were published structurally different, um, which I don't know is a thing. So at any rate, uh, this uh, issue was subtitled uh, simply "Drowned Earth Part One." Um, now. Okay, so I'll well I'll tell you what Scott Snyder said here in a minute. Um, obviously published by DC, uh, story by James Tinney and the Fourth, and on art you have uh, Howard Porter. Um, sorry, my screen is uh, trying to get this straightened up. Um, and then letters by Tom Napolitano. Uh, th- so this one, uh, more than anything to me, was marked by kind of. A, ending that is a little bit strange to me. Um, so the situation is hot on the heels of the last issue of Justice League, Justice League number 10. Um, we launched directly into the story proper. Uh, so it's kind of like a start, but the prologue really started, uh, uh, you know, back over in, uh, in Justice League number 10. 
uh, even though this is labeled Drown Earth number one. Now, according to Scott Snyder himself on uh, the Twitter account, um, you should just consider this kind of part two of uh, Drowned Earth. Um, so we go right back to the Blood Reef. We pick up right away where we left Mira um, down in Atlantis. Um, the last person standing minus uh, Orm, who she releases from his prison. Uh, and basically the Earth is pretty much partially flooded or mostly flooded uh, between Justice League 10 and Aquaman 41. And basically this issue just drives us further down into the depths of despair, which again felt structurally kind of strange for me. Uh, on art, how reporter might very well be an acquired taste. Uh, I like him, and I have for some time, but the art here sways from what I think is his baseline style to a slightly surreal and stylistic uh, effect that felt a bit disruptive on certain panels. Um, and by that point, I and by that I point mostly to things like um, in the opening pages you have uh, a picture of Arthur Curry uh, being held in his father's arms as his mother uh, abandons uh, he and his dad. Um, it's, it's obviously a very wet scene. It's, it's on Amnesty Bay, uh, where he grew up, uh, under the lighthouse. Um, but, uh, but, you know, as his mom leaves, his tears, you know, tears well up in his eyes and, and Porter draws it such that, I mean, it's just, it's this kind of, uh, almost, I don't want to say gross, but it's just a really weird effect where it, it almost looks like the bottom half of his eyes are almost entirely water, but the way it comes off with the coloring is that they look kind of wax-like and he looks almost like a melting wax figure. It's like a little too syrupy, I guess is one way to say it. Um, it, it seems like uh, later in the book, there's a, as far as storytelling goes, there's a little bit of a blip in the Matrix um, because Arthur, who has been captured by the Ocean Lords, um, is being shown these portal views of what's going on on Earth. And, uh, and, and there are like five discrete portals, kind of, but two of them have Adam Strange in it. And I'm like, is that a mistake? Um, it doesn't seem like when the other three like are completely different, it doesn't make sense that two of them would be the same. So I felt like that was like a storytelling error in publishing. Um, so it was just kind of weird. Uh, some of the creature work is spectacular and spot on. Um, in particular, uh, some of the creatures in the Ocean Lord throne room. But then there are other things that don't, come off as well like when jim gordon gets turned into a sea creature he's really diminutive um and almost kind of cute like a tadpole almost so it doesn't quite work for me uh at any rate the, there are waivers from the spectacularly beautiful to just a little bit weird and off-putting um but man there's this there's a scene where batman projects a hologram to jim gordon in uh, gotham as gotham is flooding and that look the last couple of months we've gotten like tony daniel um and, and now Howard Porter drawing Batman in the rain, just like just put Batman in the rain and you pretty much have great art. Um, so it's not that any it's not that any of the art isn't good. Uh, it's just that I it made me feel like it wasn't quite consistent. Um, and then in particular where Porter draws uh, Superman, um, the face feels like it's inconsistent. You know, there's there's ones where it's chiseled jaw. There's one where the jaw feels like like really oversized. There are times where the nose is really big versus very chiseled. So it's just kind of like, I don't know, it comes off a little janky. Um, overall, my feeling on how reporters are on this was I felt like 90% of it was like a 99 to 100, but then 10% of it was just stylistically skewed such that it kind of jarred me out of my seat, um, which in my big thing for art in comics, um, and I'm not that great at judging art. So my main thing is like, just don't disrupt me enjoying the story, right? Like don't. You don't have to do anything spectacular, but if you do something that's kind of weird or strange and makes me stop and go, hey, what, what is that? Then it, that's what kind of bugs me because I don't want to be disrupted in the story. Um, on story, um, I, I kind of landed in the same place, but not as quite. Uh, slightly different vector. Uh, whereas on art, I predominantly disliked the things that I didn't understand. On story, it was a bit more of kind of like whoa, is that a car wreck happening over there? And I couldn't take my eyes off of it. Just in terms of it, it made me kind of tilt my head um, with some things I didn't understand. Arc-wise, um, it seems, again, curious that we've gone through two issues of setting the story up, all of which present this, like, great woe and despair, like, how are we ever going to win this? And we get more of the same in, in the Drown Earth number one, which I was like, at this point, can't we get, like, a glimpse of, like, the heroism and, like, the the... the the light bulb going off that we're going to figure out a way out of this. Uh, so it was just a little kind of, it, it surprised me that, that the arc was still kind of heading in that direction. Um, 
I was kind of expecting to see a spark here, the potential end of the thing. Uh, you do get Diana showing up at the end, and that is like, man, that is, it is similar yeah. to like Thor showing up in Infinity War. Like, like there's there are these like sea monster dudes talking, and they like one of them just gets walloped with their shield, and I'm like, oh, there's like the badass showing up, and it was really really awesome i mean the the only thing that could have made it better would have been for her to do you know as deadpool says like do the superhero jump down right or superhero landing um but uh but i just don't know if i felt like it was enough uh like you know why is diana showing you know why is it diana that's showing up and where has she been um although you know except for like the kind of ominous foreboding that you get because she is one of the superheroes that's willing to kill when the threat calls for it uh, but then it was still kind of like, well, why is she such an equalizer when when Clark has been rolling around and was already angry about losing Metropolis? Um, so th then then there's this weird hook where um, the, you kind of the, the Ocean Lords kind of hint that this whole thing has been about like stripping Arthur of his ocean telepathy, and I'm like, Re really? That's why that's what this whole thing has been about. Uh, so that and then so that they could give it to Black Manta. And I'm like, where's the rest of the Legion of Doom? Uh, Flash didn't escape. Uh, he, he touches a water monster, but he doesn't turn into a monster. But then when Bruce asks him about it, he kind of dodges the question. Um, so it's, it's 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 just these like little kind of nagging unanswered questions that were in it that just kind of uh, bugged me a bit. Uh, but things that I didn't love, there were but. But by the same token, there were a lot of things to love in this issue on story. Uh, you know, the, the Aquaman Black Manta fight uh, looks gorgeous, and and from a storytelling perspective, was really sharp. Uh, Superman uh, again gets angry that he loses Metropolis and he can't solve that problem, and then he like speeds away to where Bruce has told him the center of the flooding is coming from, which is this big sea monster. And the whole time he's on his way there, like from the moment his eyes like turn red and he goes like, "Tell me where the thing is right now." Um, I'm thinking, come on, man, if we if we do Superman Supernova here, I'm going to close the book and walk away. Um, fortunately, they did not. He actually shows up and does a super clap that, like, disrupts the monster and, like, breaks up the, its water body and splashes it back into the ocean, which I thought, that's really cool. Um, and then they have Orb sacrifice himself so that Mira can get away, uh, which is probably the most, most emotionally impacting thing in the whole book. Um but then again, then we twist it again at the end where, where Bruce, um, who is in the Hall of Justice as it's being submerged, uh, doesn't escape. I mean, he's the central figure kind of leading this whole effort, and he tells McGann to leave and says, you know, I'm not going to leave the totality unguarded. Uh, and then he like heads down to like the Hall of Justice basement and locks himself away. And I'm like, did Bruce just remove himself as a as a you know, as a piece on the chessboard, like, what is that? Um, and then I'm thinking, well, maybe what he might be doing is pulling like what he did in, in the justice league launch in new 52, which is making some heroic thing that everybody thinks he's off the board, but in reality, um, he's behind the scenes, like the one, you know, being the one who unravels the whole thing. So, um, that was the, I think that was the second book that I read. Uh, it was the most engaging story I read probably, uh, all of last week. Um, at this, at that point, as I was thinking about the review, I had read, uh, Justice League Dark Wonder Woman number one as well. Um, as I've been saying, this is the exact kind of crisis that requires the Justice League, big consequences, scary ramifications, uh, potential for a new status quo. I wasn't all that thrilled or interested in what the fallout of metal was, which was kind of the big thing this year before this. Um, but I am kind of sitting on the edge of my seat, uh, wondering how all this is going to fall out. And it feels like the new status quo might kind of have five points of light in it. And I really hope they maintain that. I really hope this whole thing doesn't end. And there's just like one sweeping impact. I hope there are changes for Arthur changes for Diana changes for Bruce um, changes for Atlantis and Mira seems to be uh, in the, in the wing. So I don't know. Uh, at the end of the day, I scored this overall an 8.0 out of 10. Uh, so did you read this Steven? Yes, I definitely did right, um, read it. It was, I found it way more, I did. I enjoyed it a lot. I did like the emotional moments between uh, Batman losing uh, Commissioner Gordon. Yeah, yeah. I did like Superman losing Metropolis, and I did like Mira losing um, Ocean Master because they all had, had like deep moments where they were feeling disconnected because those people weren't around with them. Right. And it was. Um, I liked the pretty interesting action between with Superman and Flash. 
trying to fight the 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 sea creature. It was yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, that was a good action scene. And actually, there was a there's another scene where Flash is just kind of like all over the world. Like, of course. Yeah, the, I the, thought that was cool. Yeah, yeah. And I did. And actually, I saw like a couple Justice League characters that I didn't recognize. Which again can sometimes always be disruptive. I gave that one a little bit of a pass, though. Um, but we did see Mr. Miracle, which I thought. Uh, I guess the one thing, other thing that was janky from a storytelling perspective, and again, continuity isn't everything, but it is important. Um, we just so we just got done with Titans number twenty-eight last week, and we saw that the Titans like barely escaped with their lives, and that uh, Tempest or Aqualad had taken like a like it in in low Earth orbit had fallen from one of the enemy spaceships uh but they're in a panel uh in this issue like clearly none yeah. the worse for wear and i was like wait what so i don't know it's a thing uh but it was a good issue uh, so let me... yeah i i liked it i gave it like a 9.0 as well. okay very cool i do like all right so let's go ahead and roll i'll go ahead and roll on to the next one in our review segment uh, old man hawkeye number 10 and eye for an eye part 10 Blood from Stone, uh, obviously published by Marvel. Marvel uh, writer Ethan Stacks, artist Marco Chichetto, Chichetto um, uh, Andres Mosa on colors, and Joe Caramanga on letters. Beautiful artwork. This issue. I want to say I've seen uh, Mark Chichetto, and I don't know if it's Chichetto or Chichetto. I want to see say that I saw him either on Punisher, maybe, or maybe uh, some stuff. Yeah, it was there. Punisher. The one okay. with Greg Rucka. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, this thing. Yeah, I love that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so sometime in the future, all the heroes, or most of them rather, were killed by a cabal led by the Red Skull, including villains like Baron Zemo, Doom, Magneto. Um, turns out he's evil in the future after all. And others in Hawkeye, having been one of the fewest to survive, is now going blind. Um, he wants to balance the scales and deliver some justice one more time before he completely loses his sight, so he sets out on the road for revenge. At the point in the story... Here, in part number 10, he's reconnected with uh, Hawkeye Kate, and the two of them are hunting down Moonstone in the frozen tundra of Canada. I have no idea who Moonstone is, um, but whatever. Uh, on story, uh, this is the, the, the tale of the tape on this issue is I was much more in tune with the art than I was with the story on this one. Uh, I'm, my expectations may have been skewed a bit by... Uh, listening to another podcast that sang the praises of Ethan Sachs. Um, so maybe I was expecting a lot uh, from this drop-in. Um, but I really didn't truck too much with the story. Uh, to, to me, it feels like the same old Hawkeye, uh, which with another character, as I mentioned last week, with Old Lady Harley, that would normally bother me. Um, however, it's Hawkeye, who's kind of like a Han Solo in the Marvel Universe. And for those characters, they're largely supposed to stay the same. Um, so I kind of gave that one a pass. It's the one thing you can rely on in that world, um, and he's kind of an anchor character. Um, in the opening sequence, they fight a Sentinel, which has been reprogrammed. Uh, uh, they then meet up with a bunch of uh, fanaticists that worship Moonstone. Um, and I kept wanting to call Moonstone Moon Dragon, uh, partially because I've been reading the Defenders epic collection from like the 80s, um, a big, uh, thick uh, trade that I'm reading right now. Um, then we get to see with Bullseye. What's really weird with the Bullseye thing is he, he kills some guards who he, I think he's supposed to be, like, part of their group, but he just kills them nonchalantly, like, for no reason. Um, and I don't get that. And maybe it's because we're trying to paint Bullseye as this ruthless killer who kills, you know, wantonly. It doesn't matter whose side he's on. Um, but it just kind of, you know, I, I was kind of floating along with the story very smoothly, and then all of a sudden you get that, and then again it caused me to kind of pull up my heels and go, what the hell? Um so then they encounter Moonstone, and she tells them about how basically Skull and Zemo wrote her out of the spoils uh, when they were divvying up the U.S. after they had killed all the superheroes. Uh, so then afterwards, she and Zemo went back and forth trying to kill each other. Um, but I'm like, uh, so at any rate, there's a pretty neat action sequence after Moonstone kills a couple of her followers. They seem to worship her because she can release them from their mutated, horrible lives in the toxic radioactive wasteland by killing them. Um, and then Hawkeye blows her up which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, but then we cut to a scene with Zemo being shown that his minions have finally solved that pesky super soldier formula problem, which for decades no one has solved in the Marvel Universe, although it's like every other issue that's the plot point. Um, and then we end with Hawkeye apparently setting out to find Zemo. 
the story was pretty well constructed, but I'm a little wary of the, the gender storyline in 2018, just in terms of, well, let me, let me first say, that's not to say that it's not an important issue that shouldn't be discussed. I'm fully on board with that. I will be voting accordingly tomorrow. Um, but I mean, just this is a fictional story and, and it's post-apocalyptic and, and you get all of like this new kind of crazy stuff of wonder, but then you root it in this problem that we're dealing with today. And I'm like, really at the end of the day, like the, the story is that like there were five men and one woman and they, and they kind of cut the woman out of divvying up the, the loot right at the end. I'm kind of like, ah, I don't know. I don't know. It felt off tenor to me. Um, and I felt like it was kind of marginalizing Kate and Moonstone um, instead of making their story something more unique and important um, instead of just another kind of woman scorned tale. Uh, Chichetto on art, amazing. Um, you know, last week I talked about how, uh, and I forget what issue we were talking about. I guess we were talking about Old Lady Harley, um, that when an artist is drawing a post-apocalyptic landscape, it is sometimes hard to make something that stands out. Uh, but but Chichetto just nails it. Um, shading of there's some great blur effects that he puts in, uh, and I shouldn't say just Chichetto, but it was Chichetto working with Mosa as well, uh, who does a great job uh, in flattening um, a lot of the drawings and then applying the color. Uh, fight choreography was on point, which is always impressive when it's uh, melee and martial arts characters because you really have to nail it. Uh, there's a great page and panel set with Bullseye on a snowmobile up top with a bunch of motion blur and then an overhead picture of the Moonstone compound below with tons of texture. Again, just taking these post-apocalyptic scenes and, and making them really great. At the end of the day, though, I only gave this issue a 7.0 out of 10. Um, at the end of the day, I'm glad that, it, that I looked at this book from an art standpoint, but I don't know that I felt anything from reading the story. Uh, we talk about whether or not we're, you know, you and I talk about whether or not we're glad we read a book in our stack or whether we felt like, eh, I don't know that I'm, you know, all that happy that I spent, you know, 20 to 30 minutes reading that. Um, and I'm not disappointed that I took the time to, to read it. And I'm, and I'm not angry. There are some books that I read, like Black Panther number four, that I'm like, I'm outright angry. Um, but, uh, but I just came away from this not feeling really super happy. Like the story was just kind of ho-hum. Um, there were not points of high humor in this, maybe a couple, um, which like, if you're going to have Hawkeye, isn't that kind of what you want is him, you know, cracking wise throughout, uh, so it wasn't like Big Trouble in Little China funny or even Nick Spencer's Secret Avengers funny, um, but it's also not somber and serious and tragic like The Walking Dead or, or that Denzel movie, whatever, Ezekiel or Isaiah or whatever he was. Um, I felt like it should have landed on one of those two ends. Um, so it just kind of didn't make me feel anything, and it just kind of landed flat. Uh, I kind of wanted more of a sense of high adventure, and so maybe I needed to feel like this was more of a challenge for the Hawkeyes. I didn't really feel like they were particularly challenged chasing down Moonstone. Um, you know, like I would have liked seeing them maybe get a little bloody, um, and, and have more of a visceral sense of them being in mortal danger, particularly in order to like make me really despise Moonstone as a villain, um, since I'm not familiar with her. Um, that all being said, I, as I was writing my talking points up, I, I guess I came away feeling a little bit happier, uh, after I thought about it a little more, but, but at the end of the day, like I said, I was just kind of, oh, well, I kind of expected more from from this being the big deal that it's supposed to be. So I am sure that you read this. So what were your feelings? Yeah, I read this, <laughs> I read this, this series regularly, so right. I know what's going on. And okay. I gave it an 8.0 because I did like, I don't know, Hawkeye. The reason why he's not as humorous as he is in the regular and in, in the Marvel, in the main Marvel universe is because he's feels like a deep darkness of himself. He lost. He feel like he lo he's losing himself as a person, and he's becoming more cold-hearted. And it's because he worked with the Thunderbolts, and he finds out they betray him and kill the Avengers behind his back, and he feels betrayed. And he, I don't know. He now he wants to kill all the Thunderbolts that were involved in killing the Avengers, and yeah, he's on the path of revenge, and is. Is is changing him to a dark, cold-hearted person instead of a light-hearted person, and he feels uncomfortable with that. Yeah, I guess that's something you have to get like when you string a few of them together. Because I just didn't like I didn't feel any of that coming off this particular issue, but uh, but it is what it is. So uh, you are continuing to read the what if issues, which seem yes. like they are <laughs> either a gold coin or a rusty nail. 
Um, so yeah, which which I one agree. was this issue? This one was a is a what if magic became a source of supreme number one. Oh wow, well, okay. Yeah, it's um the the talents are the writers Leah Williams, my golf, and the artist is Philip Philippi and and Andrean, and the colorist is Chris O'Halloran, and the letterist is Clayton Coles. That's pretty much it. Um. So yeah, this story picks up where magic escapes the the demon world. This is like, I think she was like around uh, teenage years. Uh, she escapes the, the demon. I think it's limbo. I I'm not so sure, but yeah, she escapes the demon world. And Doctor Strange is he's observing New York City, and he sees her getting attacked by some man and. She uses some type of demon magic to to um, deflect the man that's attacking her, and Doctor Strange is like amazed by her strong power, and he goes to talk to her and tries to uh, like train her under his wing to become the Source of Supreme, and. She she struggles with it. She doesn't she doesn't think she's worthy of it. She doesn't think she's a good person because she has a demon inside of her, and she wants she she thinks that she can't control her. But Doctor Strange finds a way to convince her to control it and um, be a person of the greater good. And they also fight this other demon villain that put. Um, magic into the demon world and put a demon inside of her but the demon that's inside of her wants to do good it just doesn't know how to balance himself between her and magic that him being possession of inside of her body there's a there's a disruption and balance between the two um souls i guess i can say but um so yeah they they defeat the 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 de- the demon and um magic decides to uh um decides to become their next source of supreme and and just goes on her adventures and yeah that's about it i did i did really enjoy this story because i did like how Doctor Strange was teaching Magic how to become a better person, and you do see her struggling with the the ability to create something. And I did like that they put motion and being creative into the comic book. I did like that. That was mostly the center theme of the book, and it was interesting to see Magic going through that struggle, and she finally creates the a demon staff for herself and she was really happy about that and it changes her as a as a better person so it was i did like this pretty interesting i would give it a 8.5 out of 10 and the art wasn't all that great but it was enough to uh to able to explain the story in detail it didn't really just drop the story from being bad or anything. Mike on. All right, yeah. cool, cool man. Why don't you uh, why don't you go ahead and uh, talk to me about Infinity Wars Iron Hammer number two? And my first question for you, because you noted that this is the final issue. Yeah. In the agenda. So, is there really an Infinity thing going on, like in Marvel? That's yeah, like in continuity. A... There is. Uh, these are just like spinoff or tie-ins. From okay. Of Infinity War. It's, it's just um. So they do they take place now, or are they like are they going back and and they're like they, there's no clear indication of when it takes place because uh because in, in Infinity Wars um the Gomorrah has rewritten the whole world and that is it's like the none of the comic books are are in that interaction like no like. 
no one's in the new world in any of the other books. So okay. Like, so this this is all a thing to capitalize on the Infinity War movie that's not really Im- yeah, impacting that's Marvel like. now. And not really liking Infinity Wars because it's very off-centered and none of the comic books are interacting with it at all. So, so let me ask you, just it's out like of curiosity. It's very non-existent. Just before you get into it, so let me ask you, why are you... So you've got Spider-Geddon going on right now, which is... Yes. Great, Scott. Like, Spider-Geddon is everywhere. I mean, you got... I mean, there's numerous books out. Like, you could definitely occupy almost your entire stack time just tracking arm spider-geddon so why is there why do you why do you feel there's a need to to consume this if it's if it's that off-putting is there something like and i know look sometimes i get it and this is what i'm trying to kind of scratch at to see if this is the case there are sometimes like we feel obligated to read a thing and so we read it even though we don't really like it and i'm trying to feel you out to see if that's what's going on here well i don't want to picking them up because i i am interested in the combining the two characters into one character thing to me is like a what if. Okay. Okay. And All I, right. I'm I really like that um, alternate Earth stuff, and I'm always right. interested in that. And I want to see what makes it different than the main universe. Okay. All right. And okay. We'll have at it, man. Let's let's uh, talk to me about all the details of Iron Hammer number two. I did. I didn't like the Soldier Supreme because it was way too much of the same. But I've been liking Iron My Hammer God. because it was very different. It didn't feel like they're only making certain tweaks to the story. They're actually completely changing things. And I did like that a lot. Um, so, yeah, the Iron Hammer is more. It, this issue explains the origin with. Um, it's a combination of it's this character's name is Stark Odison. It's a comp- combination of Tony Stark and Thor Odison, and uh, you see him talking with his father. And they have the Warriors Three, but it's like a it's a different Warriors Three. It's like you see uh you see um Pepper Potts merge with Sif and. And you see uh Rhodey merge with I think one of the uh, it was one of the Warriors three, it's one of the male ones. And they also have uh Ezekiel Stain as Loki. Like he was combined with Loki. Yeah. <laughs> so it was interesting to see them talking with um Odin. He's he's combined with Howard Stark. Right, and so this is Al yeah. Ewing writing this. I, I guess yeah. while he's also oh, doing Immortal Hulk. So it. okay, is the writer was Al Al Ewing and the artist was Roman Romana Rosanas. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. There's no letters or colors in the list. Okay. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's 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 a pretty interesting story. You see how Odin. Um, abandons uh Tony's, I mean Stark Alderson into the to Earth because he's very arrogant and he doesn't like he doesn't like Ezekiel Stain for being human. He's all about is all about being a god and he should be worthy. He was very, I guess, selfish of himself because he only cared about being a god rather than being human and. Ezekiel Stain was more human than him, and he was very jealous of of Odin praising him instead of Odin's son. And so, yeah, it was abandoned to Earth, and I don't know if it's, and he Odinson's memory gets completely erased, and he become as he's raised on Earth, um, he becomes a new man, and he becomes more human. Then Ezekiel, um, Ezekiel Stain, we find out later in the story because um, we also run into Malekith. It's like he's like a mixture of Malekith and the Mandarin. And they, I mean, he, he fights off um, Odison and eventually he eventually wins. But uh, he also finds out that uh, that Stain was working with um, with Malekith. In order to like get rid of Odin's son, he wants to kill him, and 
he he noticed that uh Stain didn't he didn't know that uh he did capture Odin and the Warriors three and Odin's son was betrayed. He felt hurt because he didn't think that Stain will go against him and go out of his way to capture them with Malekith. And it was it was a pretty interesting story. I I did notice that uh that later on that Tony Stark was it Tony Stark Stark Orderson falls in love with um of um Hell is Madam Hell because it's Madam Hydra combined with Hella. So yeah. And it's a lot to contain, but it's it's a pretty interesting story to My me. God. And I'll give it an eight point five out of ten. Okay. All right, very cool. Yeah. All right, rounding out our review segment is going to be uh, us talking through the details of Justice League Dark Wonder Woman, The Witching Hour, number one. Uh, da, da, da. Uh, subtitle The Witching Hour Finale, which kind of, again, kind of took me off guard when I opened the page and I was like, wait, but Drowned Earth is kind of structurally the same, but it's just part one, but this is at its finale already. And I didn't feel like there was as much work up to get here. Um, but... Uh, Obviously published by DC, uh, another one written by James Tinian IV, so I guess uh, Snyder did his thing on on his, I forget who's writing Wonder Woman, um, but uh, and then I guess Tinian kind of took the merger between uh, the Justice League books and the and the individual hero titles. Uh, really weird on artists, uh, Jesus Marino, uh, Fernando Blanco, and uh, Miguel Mendoza. Um, I didn't... I will say this didn't feel like three artists. It felt like stylistically the same throughout. And I can't, it kind of made me wonder, um, question whether or not these three artists, as they are credited, actually chunked the issue up into three parts. I wonder if it was more like one of them was an inker. Um, uh, so, but I'm not sure. Uh, Colors by the great Romulo Fajardo Jr. Thank goodness for him, because he definitely kind of pulls this thing together. Um this book, again, is even weirder to me than uh, than Drowned Earth Part 1 was, just in terms of some disruptive things that I didn't expect and didn't understand. Um, overall, I felt like the book wound up falling a bit flat with me. Uh, I had less of a good time reading it than I did uh, Justice League Aquaman Number 1. Um, and, uh, you know, this that could have been a different story if this had come out in a different week instead of it coming out last week where kind of organically I, I felt obligated like all the comp- when I tried to settle down on how I felt about Justice League Wonder Woman number one invariably I had to compare it to Justice League Aquaman number one and I was like ah, you know if you guys had shipped these different weeks right that I wouldn't be competing them down against each other um so uh but at any rate uh, so the situation is uh in Justice League Aquaman number uh, I'm sorry in Justice League Justice League Dark Wonder Woman Number one, we pick up right after the events of Wonder Woman number 57, uh, which, if we recall, I was also not a huge fan of. Um, we get the Justice League Dark kind of getting all lathered up to fight Hecate, and uh, Diana is inside in her own head, meeting with the other personas of Hecate, uh, two young women, um, and they tell Diana the whole history of Hecate's, uh, uh, the ancient evil who's her mirror, um, how Hecate herself developed into the crone when she felt she was spurned, uh, and then how she was first feared by the gods and then invited to join the Greek gods as part of their family, and then eventually rejected, uh, and so on, and so on, and so on. That's part of my reason I bounce off of this issue. It is very much a soap opera-y take on the, all of this, this eons of history, which they kind of unfortunately convey to you kind of like an encyclopedia, um, which is part of one of the problems. Um, so the art is actually pretty good, despite three artists. Uh, I probably credit give a lot of that credit to Fajardo. Uh, and I mentioned I wonder if the duties were really split up, you know, in the three parts. Um, overall, the art lands squarely in the middle of what we observe with Porter. Uh, it's more stylistically consistent, and there are fewer weird choices. Uh, it's, in fact, it's pretty devoid of anything that caused me to kind of stop and go, hey, wait a minute, um, over the artistic storytelling. That being said, when but when when Porter was on it on Justice League Aquaman number one, which he was for the vast majority of that book, um, it just really kind of blows this book out of the water. Um, 
you know, there's there's a few takeaways here, like uh, in terms of the art and, and things that were done well. Uh, there's some great creature art in the opening pages, uh, and in one of the pages, there's this great creature that's kind of like partially like a monkey with like multiple rows of vertical, you know, multiple vertical eyes uh, stacked in in two rows. He's got some big scythe for a weapon. Um, he's kind of bony wings. It's great creature work. And then we never see that creature again. We literally see him on one portrait, like a full-page thing, and then the Justice League Dark kind of runs away, and, and that creature is never a threat anymore. Which, again, from a janky storytelling perspective, I'm like, wait, what the heck? You know, where did that thing go? Um, it's just kind of weird. Um, there's some design stuff that I'm not super pleased with here. Overall, you know, again, the, the de-aging of Constantine and Zatanna, particularly Zatanna with kind of the goofy millennial ponytail, um, was just kind of off-putting to me. Uh, and, and then one thing that they really cranked up huge in this issue that again, kind of caused me to bounce off of it is not only have they put Wonder Woman in the movie costume, but when you listen to the lines, like it's very clear to me that this is Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. I mean, that's how she is written. Um, and, and one of the, one of the giveaways was there's this point where we're looking at her outstretched hand and her fingernails are immaculately manicured. And I'm like... I don't know if like the savage Amazon would have like perfect nails, um, you know, and she's you know, being possessed by, uh, by an otherworldly demon basically. Um, so I don't know. Uh, there is one great panel in here where you have the justice league dark kind of all posseed up with Zatanna, you know, giving her St. Crispin's day speech, um, getting them all lathered up for battle. Uh, and that panel looks, uh, great. Um, cause I don't know that we get a lot of, um, kind of big splash pages that feel like posters with all the Justice League Dark standing there together. Um, but man, this book is wordy. I mean, it reads like Homer's Odyssey. Um, it, it, it's almost a Talking Heads issue, um, except instead of it being conveyed to you through a bunch of character conversation, it's like literally straight uh, exposition. Like it's boxes written by, you know, voiced by a disembodied narrator um, and it's pages and pages and pages and pages of this stuff, which you would expect to see like in a issue number one sometimes. If, if a writer's a slow burn writer, then sometimes they do that. But this is the finale. And it's just like pages and pages and pages of text of stuff that's not happening right now. Like it's all about stuff that's happened in the past. And I'm like, this is a 36 page oversized issue. Um, and I feel like half of it was exposition. Um, you know, Constantine is in the book, but he, like, he does, I don't think he speaks the whole time. And again, it feels like he, it's wasted. Um, the, the whole book really is pretty much a Zatanna story, um, with the other half of it being about Diana. Again, I go back to Diana being Gal Gadot. She constantly refers to Z Zatanna as sister. And I'm like, I didn't know Diana and Zatanna were, like, that close. I, I mean, I guess you could do that, but, um, it was just a little overly, um, the way it was written, uh, you know, so if anybody dropped into this, then you're, I mean, I, and I didn't drop in, right? I've, I've read some of the books reading up to this. Um, I just felt there was enough room with 36 pages th for them to do something more than just all of the blatant exposition that we got. At the end of the day, I scored this a 6.0 out of 10. Um, and, you know, my, my summaries in, in the end, I'm not sure that I was really happy about reading this book this week. Uh, it was a lot of filler. Um, I felt like not a lot happened, like kind of... Um, like a fight started and then the Justice League Dark ran away and sat in another dimension. Diana's in another dimension. She's talking to the other two faces of Hecate. Uh, and then and then everybody shows up and there's not even really a big fight. Um, so it just felt like nothing happened. Uh, you know, I'm not, not really pleased about Diana. And then at the end of the whole, whole thing, also Diana loses all of her magic. And I'm like... Why did we make this really big deal about putting Wonder Woman in the Justice League Dark and having her be part of that cast and then just kind of wipe away any of the consequence and, and plus-ups that may have occurred uh, th throughout this adventure? Um, so at any rate, I'm not really sure where they go from here. Uh, I don't really know if Wonder Woman has a place in Justice League Dark. It seems like she doesn't. Um, but, uh, you know, and like I said, unless they take her in a specific direction, like chasing down magic, which I don't feel like they're going to do. So I don't know, man. Did you did you read this issue? Yeah, I I had a different experience. I liked it a lot. I okay. Gave it a nine point five out of ten. Uh, I just liked the mythology of how Hectate affect 
how she was like the the creator of magic and people abused her it kind of felt like i don't know it did tell like the story of what women's rights were in this it, it kind of felt like America. It kind of felt like old man Hawkeye all over again, right? Which is, I, and I, <laughs> and again, I get it, and it's important, but it's important, and we're getting it all the time. And when it's there's there, there's a way to do it. Um, and and I'll, and I'll just say, you know, I, I'm a big fan of the iFanboy podcast. Um, I'm actually since we started doing this, I actually have to delay listening to them because I don't want to be influenced by anything they say. <laughs> so I never listen to their podcast until I after we've recorded you. this. But uh, but uh, Josh Flanagan says a thing on that show um, where he talks about like when when a, when a thing is pushed in your face and you're beaten over the head with it, like you don't appreciate it and it makes you feel like they like like the writer feels like you're dumb and you have to have it spelled out for you. But when it's subtle and it just happens natively or organically. Uh, it's 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 more of an effective and creative thing, and I just felt like maybe that's what we were getting in Old Man Hawkeye a bit, um, and that's what we got in in Justice League Dark, where again, I don't like, I don't feel like Diana Prince like her like the whole thing about Wonder Woman is that she is above that, um, and you know, and she doesn't she, she doesn't play right, she like so I yeah, don't know. I did like that at the end that she. Try to give Hecate a second chance, but Hecate didn't want the second chance. She just wants to do what she wants to do. Right. And I, I, I did like that Wonder Woman understood Hecate, but for some reason, Hecate still was against her. Right, right. And it was pretty interesting to see that Wonder Woman tried to understand her as a as a human being, but right. she 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 see if she can talk to her way out of this, and she learned that. You can't talk to her. She couldn't talk her way out of it, and she decides to use the upside down man to kill Hecate. And I did like that because Wonder Woman tried to be better, or be better at being a hero. She tried to talk her way out of things, try right. to talk with peace, and it didn't work. She decided, like, what? I'm just gonna kill you. Forget it. You didn't want to comply. <laughs> I'm just gonna kill your ass. Right, right. I, I thought that was pretty badass. Right, right. But then. But then I, I also didn't really again with the with the landing flat. I also didn't really like the fact that at the end of the day, this was all about Cersei d- duping everyone so that she would be like the fifth vessel who wound up with with all of the power of of Hecate. Um, so and of course that will be a thing that you know has to oh. we has we have to boomerang back around on to to get that story you know at some point in the future. Um. By the way, uh, Constantine has been DH since the beginning of New Fifty Two. I'm not sure you noticed that. I didn't. I I didn't feel in New Fifty Two he was that de like he to me he looks like. I mean, when I say de aged, so I mean, I agree with you that neither of them feel as old as the care as the actor that we get um on the on the television show. Yeah, he's not as old as him. But I I felt like New Fifty Two Constantine was kind of squarely in his like mid thir- mid to late thirties, which is kind of how he feels comfortable to me. Um, but this guy in 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 Justice League Dark feels like he's like in his twenties, and I'm like, that's just too. That's just maybe too the much. artist just dresses. I mean, draws him as a pretty boy. And it, I it, noticed that. Yeah, <laughs> he's yeah, very yeah. handsome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, okay, let's go ahead and uh, burn down the rest of this house here. And uh, so the for me, so that wraps up our review segment. Uh, for me, the best thing that I read last week, uh, we've already talked about Justice League Aquaman Drown Earth number one. Again, there were a couple nits uh, that uh, that I, I I struggled to kind of swallow down, but at the end of the day, Howard Porter's art is still great. Ninety ninety percent of that book, uh, James Tinian the fourth story uh, is still great. It's just it they kind of left you know I don't know some some dust bunnies on the floor that I got distracted by, but still the best thing that I read last week uh what about you Stephen? what was the best thing you read this week the best thing i read was old man logan number 50 it was the final issue is was written by ed bryson and the artist was arabian robertson okay and there's another artist was neil neil edwards okay now so, i yeah now i thought uh, maybe he wasn't on old man logan i i guess I've been thinking that Charles Soule had written a lot because he wrapped up or did Death of Wolverine, um, 
I thought it No, didn't... he's not on he was not on Old Man Logan at okay. all. Okay. Uh... He was going he was going he only did the Return of Wolverine and the Death of Wolverine. That was Okay. It. All right, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So anything particular yeah. that you want to point out in this issue? Um... I did I gave it a, a ten because I did like how Wolverine was My off. Um fighting for the humans and I did like that he killed off Maestro and he was struggling with himself with he did end up using the regenics to 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 uh cure himself but he ends up getting killed at the end and it does lead up to like the next chapter of old man logan's story which is is gonna be it's gonna be dead man logan which is a 12 limited mini um limited My series God. so, so we... he has 12 issues limited series of his final story in the 616 universe okay are we done with old man logan is this is this part of like extermination and everything like putting everything back uh, in it's place? not done yet because we still have to read i mean there's whoever i mean if people have been following up with old man logan they have to read dead man logan to see what happens okay with himself yeah i don't think that's happening but you never know every once in a while when i've got a book that goes away something slips in i i, I wound up putting titans on my recurring pull list uh after reading that that last issue, so you never know when you could be surprised. I had no honorable mentions this week. Uh, nothing out of the things that I read um, was an 8.0 or above, other than uh, Justice League Aquaman Drown Earth number one. How about you? Uh, any that you wound up having honorable mentions that you would have scored an 8.0 or above, uh, outside of the ones that you've already talked about? I I do have as. My um, honorable mentions are Injustice versus Massive Universe number My four, Doom Patrol number twelve, X Men Black and Frost number one, and uh, it's Faith Dream Side number two, Superman Top Cat special number one, and Deathstroke Yogi Bear special number one. My That's gone. Pretty okay. much it. Okay, so you're really digging the DC Hanna Barbera yeah. crossover stuff, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I'm, the one that really stand out to me was uh, I liked X Men Black Emma Frost because it does lead lead up to her becoming the Black King, and I did like okay. the Hanna Barbera's uh the specials because um, they were more of like off the wall, ridiculous humor. Right, right. It wasn't serious stories; those two. Okay. All right. Very cool. Uh, what are you pulling next week, man? So we can uh, let the viewers know what they can expect us to be talking about potentially. Uh, I'm I'm pulling next week is The Walking Dead, no, uh, 180, number one hundred eighty-five, Kickass number nine, Doctor Strange number seven, Death of Inhumans number five, which I'm gonna be reviewing as the final issue. Uh, Spider Getting number three and Sideways Annual number one. Mike on. So now, who who is the creator on Sideways? That's not a. Uh, they keep changing the writer like every issue. I okay. I, I thought... know it's Dan the Dio, but it's like he has like a co-writer every week, and it's a different okay. co-writer. Gotcha, gotcha. So kind of a little like um like uh, Joss Whedon does on like the Buffy things where he's the architect yeah. of the whole thing, but he's actually enlist somebody else's help. And I understand actually... why Dan DeLeo has co-writers because he's he's the boss of DC right. and he can't always be be the main writer for the series. Right, right. Uh, so for me, I'm going to be pulling Batman number 58, Deadpool number 6, Immortal Hulk number 8, Justice League number 11, Star Wars f- number 56, uh, and then, uh, uh, as a matter of uh, pulling things from your pull list, uh, I'm also going to read Sideways Annual Number One, and I am. The dice fell in such a way that I'm also going to read Spider Geddon Number Three. So, I guess I will just swallow that bitter pill. Uh, and, and actually, it'll be interesting to see if it actually improves, uh, because normally that I wouldn't have pulled that, but since you're pulling it, I will. Uh, Join you in a read through of that. Yeah, I forgot to mention I'm gonna be picking up Justice League Eleven as well and Star Wars fifty six. So. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Yeah, uh pretty uh center weekend. What's weird for me is there's no again, no tier two, no tier three uh publishers uh next week, uh after Millennium, the girl who danced with death 
has wrapped up from uh, Titan Comics. So, um, and I'm not sure when another slot is going to shake free on my pull list, but uh, we will see how that goes. So, Stephen, anything else that you want to talk about this week? No, not really. That's it. All right. So once again, that was the week that was in comics for the books shipping uh, 31 October 2018. My name has been Agassicles Stamus. My co-host has been Mr. Stephen Laura. And on behalf of the E2KG Network podcasting channel on YouTube, Gearworks.com, and the Rounding Off Affinity Gaming channel on YouTube, that's going to do it for us this week. Until next time, happy hunting, take care, and read the comics that you love. That's going to do it for us. We are out of here. What's your issue? Right. Yeah.